Well, good morning, church. Merry Christmas. And in just a week, or really less than a week, it will be Happy New Year. Well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Let me welcome all of those who are engaging with us online. You might be in your PJs, you might be on the car traveling, but welcome nonetheless. Now, as you are turning to 1 Kings 19, we are starting a brand new series for the next few weeks entitled Unplugged. Now, I was thinking about all of the things that are plugged into our life, which is why I brought at least the power strip that is in my office at home. And so uh, how, how many of you have power strips lying around your house? Uh, we, we have quite a bit, especially since Joni put up all of the Christmas lights. You say, Josh, why didn't you help your wife put up Christmas lights? Because I've seen Christmas vacation once or twice. And so I don't want to be a Clark Kent. And, or Clark, yeah, Clark, not Kent. That's Superman, right? Uh, Clark Griswold. Yeah, anyways. But, but we, we, have a, we, we have a lot of power strips, and this power strip, like I said, is in my office, and there's only like three prongs, of, but they also added three USB cables, uh, little outlets, and, and those are great. But I, I want you to think about all of the areas in your life, all right? You, you have your family that, that's plugged into you. Now, now, here's the thing also about power strip. There's nothing in and of this power strip itself that would produce power. Why? Because it has to be plugged into the power source to give power. So, but I want you to think of your life as a power strip, all right? So you got your family plugged in there. You got, if you're married, you, you got your spouse kind of plugged in there. If you got a job, you got your job plugged in there. And, and then you think about uh, other things in your life, like recreation. Like how many of you taking your children to and fro everywhere, you, you know, across DuPage? County, Cook County, you know, so you got recreation going on, and you got maybe some, some, you know, leisure activities like crushing candy. I don't know if you like doing that or watching TikTok, and so, so you've got all of these things plugged into your life. But then I also want you to think about some of the more kind of uh, issues and, and the underlying problems that that you have also in your life that comes across, like, you know, Pastor Hannibal was saying. I mean, 2021 was a, a year of pain, but it was also a year of beauty. Uh, but, but I want you to think about all the other things that you have in your life. Like, maybe you have some tension in your family. Maybe you have some tension in your marriage, so, so that adds to it. Maybe you got some financial struggles. So here's what we know after Christmas time. A lot of you, you racked up some credit card debt, and so come January, February, you all stressed out trying to pay, trying to pay your, your, your bills, right? And, and then maybe you have a, a high-maintenance friend, and, and, and they're complaining because you didn't send them a Christmas card, and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish, I wish they would just stop. But again, you have that, you have that challenge in your life. Uh, what about some changes in your work environment? Again, you, those are things that you are plugged into. Uh, think about the pandemic and, and Omicron. Oh my gosh, Omicron. All right, so you have all of these things, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. Again, your life is a power strip. Here's the problem. You have all of those things plugged in at once. Does your life look like this sometimes? Let me, let me give you a picture talking about Christmas vacation. That's some of your life right there. You, you, you are so plugged in that you have not unplugged so that you can just rest in the power source. That's your life. And so what I want to do as we kick off this series is I want to talk about the way of rest. 
And, and I want to do so by using Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. Elijah, interestingly, his name actually means Yahweh is God. Now, Elijah was one of, if not the most, uh, kind of uh, most successful, maybe even greatest prophet in Israel's history. But there was a time in his life where Elijah was overloaded. He had overloaded his circuits. He had tripped his breaker, which, which what's interesting about that is in that context, he had, he had predicted a three-year drought, which came true. Uh, he had been in that drought. He had been fed by birds both day and night for a significant portion of those three years. When the water ran dry, God told him to go to a widow, and there God would feed him through this widow. Now, while there at the widow's house, the widow's son died. And she tells Elijah, Elijah, why, why have you brought all this trouble? Why, why has God brought all this trouble in my life? Why haven't you done something? And Elijah says, don't worry, woman. Takes the child upstairs and lays on him three times, and the boy comes back to life. It's also in this context where Elijah, he faces off against King Ahab, who had put Elijah... Uh, on the, 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 as the top fugitive of the IBI. You say, what's the IBI? Well, it's not the FBI. It's the Israeli Bureau of Investigation. He was the top prophet there, and he was the most wanted prophet out there. Well, as, as you would read in this context, Elijah, he goes back, and he tells Obadiah, one of the prophets, he's like, go, go get King Ahab. I'm ready to face off. And Obadiah's like, no, 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 I, I don't want to go to King Ahab. Uh, he, he'll kill me if, if I go and tell him that I've seen you and you kind of disappear again. He's like, no, I'm ready to face off of King Ahab. And so there, he faces off with King Ahab and all the prophets of Baal or Baal, however you want to say it. And this took place on Mount Carmel. And, and there, he's going against these 450 prophets of Baal. And what he's demonstrating or what he's going to demonstrate there on Mount Carmel is who is the one true God? Is it, is it Baal or is it Yahweh? And, and so there, the prophets of Baal, they're, they're chanting, they're slicing themselves, they're sacrificing themselves to call down fire from the God of Baal. Well, they're, they're not having any success. And so Elijah, he's taunting them. He's like, maybe he's on a bathroom break, and it's just a little, bit, a little bit longer bathroom break than normal. Maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's on vacation. We don't know. So, so that, that's what Elijah's saying to them. Now, after all of this, Elijah says, all right, now it's my turn. And so he begins to pray. And after his prayer, God rains down fire from heaven, consuming the wet altar that Elijah had doused with water three different times. And there, the, the people of God see God's presence and his power, and they start chanting, Yahweh is God, Yahweh is God. Now, what's interesting in that chant they are actually speaking the name Elijah. Why? Because Elijah's name means Yahweh is God. So they're going, Elijah, 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 Yahweh is God, Yahweh is God. 
Now, then you just fast forward just a little bit more and then rain falls because it had been a three-year drought. It's in that context where we now find in 1 Kings 19 that Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, we'll call her Queen Jezzy. Everybody say Jezzy. Queen Jezzy. She hears about this incredible victory. And so she sends Elijah a message, maybe a direct message on Twitter. We, We don't know. But just saying, hey, uh, by this time tomorrow, if you're not dead, may the gods kill me. And it's at that moment we actually see Elijah's circuit breaker trip. You say, how do we know that? Well, as I unpack these, I want you to think about in your own life because these things will be present in your own life if you've been plugged into too many things, if your circuit breaker is about to trip. So, so the first, first, way, first reason we know that his circuit breaker is tripping is that he's worried. So in, in 1 Kings 19.3, we see Elijah was afraid. So he hears this message that Queen Jezzy is sending him, and he's afraid. He's worried. He has great anxiety because of this message. Now, this is fascinating. Why is Elijah worried? The sucker just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. He just predicted three years of drought. He's been fed by ravens. He's been fed by this widow who had just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil for a substantial amount of time. Why is he worried about this message? Because he's burned out. And so he's worried. He's afraid for his life. So so instead of trusting in God, he thinks it's all over. He thinks God isn't bigger than Jezebel. Maybe some of you here today, maybe life has sucked the life out of you. Maybe your circuit breaker has tripped And you're fretting and not trusting, you're worried and not worshiping, you're fearful and not faithful. And as a result, you're sitting here on the 26th, maybe you're engaged online, and you have been robbed of your joy. Maybe you've been robbed of your faith, maybe you've been robbed of your worship because you've been plugged into too many things. Well, the second thing that we see is that he ran away. 1 Kings 19.3, we see that not only is he afraid... But he ran for his life. Like, what are you doing, Elijah? This one woman must have been a bad mama jama. I mean, he wasn't afraid of 450 prophets, but uh, this woman sends a message, and now he's afraid? I mean, this is amazing. You know, Mondays are notorious for pastors wanting to run away. Aren't they, Pastor Hannibal? They are. Why? Because we, we, we prepare, we preach our little hearts out. And then we're like, did it stick? Did, did it land? Are, 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 are people better off because they engaged the word with us? And we, we, we have a tendency on Monday to think, oh, no, they didn't. Oh, that stunk. I can't believe I said that. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, that sounded awful. I mean, whatever it may be. And so we want to crawl in the fetal position on Monday. Now, I know that maybe some of you, you're not in vocational ministry, but here's the thing. Maybe a season of life, maybe you're going through a season of life right now where you want to quit work. 
Maybe some of your marriages right now, you just want to quit your marriage because you have so much stress, you have so much worry, you have so much anxiety, you just want to run away. Maybe you just want to quit life. I mean, here's what we know about 2020, 2021. A lot of suicidal thoughts are happening, and not only a lot of suicidal thoughts happening, but a lot of suicides are happening. You just want to retreat. You just want to run away. But, but then the third thing that we see is uh, not only does he run away, he isolates himself. He's all alone. So, so when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So the only person with him, his only companion, he leaves there while he himself goes a day's journey into the wilderness. He's shutting himself off from the world. He's not letting anybody in. You know, this is... This is, has, has happened to me many a times in my life, and my wife will just say, you're just shutting yourself out from the entire world. You're shutting yourself off from me. You are becoming emotionally unavailable. You are isolating yourself. And here's what we know about Proverbs 18.1. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Do you realize that isolation is the breeding grounds to infidelity? See, but this, is, this happens when we have too many plugs in our life. It's just draining us. And then the last thing that we see with Elijah is that he's depressed and he's hopeless. So he came to a broom bu- bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. And here's what he says. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Again, may I remind you, this is one of the greatest, if not the greatest prophet in all of Israel, and he just wants to crawl under a bush and say, Lord, take me. I'm done. Doesn't make any sense. But when you are maxed out, when your breaker is about to trip, Things don't make sense. You are illogical. You are irrational. You are negative. You have lost perspective. Even though everything can be good, even though you've had an incredible year, a successful year by all accounts, you can be in the very place of Elijah. And something small like a message on Facebook, something that you see in the news, something a co-worker says, something that your wife tells you, something that your children are doing, maybe something little happens at your house and it sets you off. Why? Because you're allowed, you've allowed too many things to be plugged into your life. And so here's what I want us to flesh out for the remainder of our time this morning. And here's the main point. If you're ready, say you're ready. The way of rest is to unplug from the activities of life while resting in the source of life. Now, again, like I said, like this power strip has no power unless it's plugged in. But if you have too many things plugged in and it's, and it's tapping out the, 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 the breaker in here, you're, you're going to find yourself exploding. You're going to find yourself not working. And so what you have to learn to do is to rest from the activities of life 
while still maintaining your connection to the source of life. And what we're going to actually see for the remainder of our time is what God does when we unplug, how he, how he serves us, how he ministers to us, how he recharges us. And here's what we see. The first thing that we see that God does to Elijah, God ministers to him physically. So the first thing that God's going to do, if we, if we unplug and we maintain our connection to the source of life, here's what God's going to do to us. God, he's going to minister to us physically. So we, we see this in verses 5 through 7. The Bible says, then Elijah lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and then he lay down again. This is, this is the, the first scene of angel food cake. This is it right here. <laughs> angel came, gave him some water, baked him some bread. Angel food cake. I mean, this is amazing. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights. This is amazing. The angel of the Lord, probably a Christophany, meaning that this is a scene where Jesus comes to visit Elijah. That's what a Christophany is. And so Jesus is there, and he is ministering to Elijah. But did you notice how Jesus ministers to Elijah physically? I want you to rest. I want you to eat. I want you to rest. I want you to eat. Do you realize that one of the godliest things we can do as human beings is rest? That's a good place to say amen. Like you have permission to go home and take a nap. You, you have permission to get a good night sleep. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, years ago, I was burning the candle at both ends when I was planting the church outside of Atlanta. And my wife, I mean, I'm telling you, she had this come to Jesus meeting with me. She's like, every time you come home, you're on your phone, you're on your computer. And I want you to rest. When you come home, I want you to be home. And then you need to take care of your body because I was actually getting sick two, three times a year. And she's like, you are wearing yourself out working 12, 13, 14 hours a day. You have to stop it. And so one of the things that I do, and no lie, like, and I do not apologize about this, is I get seven to eight, sometimes eight and a half hours of sleep a night. Why? Because I know that my body cannot run on six hours of sleep. It cannot run on six and a half hours of sleep. It barely can run on seven hours of sleep. I need to rest. And there are definitely times on the weekend where football was watching me and not me, foot, not me watching football. See, one of the godliest things that you can do when you're tired is eat and rest. It's the first thing that Jesus does with Elijah when his circuit breaker had been tripped. Now, the second thing that we see that God does, God brings us to the place of divine perspective. God brings us to the place of divine perspective. Look at verses 7 and 8. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. 
until he reached Horab, the mountain of, everybody say it, God. So now, now he's physically rested. Now the angel of the Lord is going to send him to Mount Horab. Now, interestingly, Mount Horab is also Mount Sinai. They're two in the same. Now, you know what happened on Mount Sinai, don't you? That's where Moses met with God. It's the place where Moses asked to see God's glory. It's the place where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. So now Elijah is going to the place where God has showed himself before, where God's presence and power has been seen before, where God's glory has been on display. So he's going to meet with God so that God can remind him of who God is. Now, in going to the mountain of God, Elijah is going to the place of perspective. Everybody say perspective. perspective. You see, when you're tapped out, when life has drained you, when you have tripped your breaker, you don't have the proper perspective. So you actually have to go to the mountain of God to get perspective. See, Elijah is going to the place of remembrance. He's going to the place of where God's glory has been revealed. Now, uh, not, not a long time ago, really recently, I was going through a tough time in my life. And I really was. I was discouraged. I, I, was, I was mildly depressed. And, and my wife, uh, she didn't tell me, hey, you, you just you need to put your big, big boy pants on. She didn't tell me that. Here's actually what she did. She went out and bought me a knickknack, and, and I brought it with me today. Here, here's what this knickknack says. Breathe. This is just a chapter, not the whole story. I needed that. Maybe you need that. See, God used that knickknack to give me divine perspective. Hey, this season of depression, this season of discouragement, hey, it's just a chapter. It's not the story. And see where Elijah is going. He's going to the place where God's going to tell them, tell him this. It's just a chapter. It's not the whole story. And so maybe there are some of us in here today, some of us engaging online, you need to be reminded that God is bigger than you. He's bigger than any Jezebel you will face. He's bigger than any news you will receive. He's bigger than any addiction, any disappointment, any discouragement. He's bigger than any health issue, any challenge, any mistake, any failure, any problem, any trouble, any storm. He's bigger than any crisis. He's bigger than any pandemic. He's bigger than our exhaustion. He's bigger than our depletion. He's bigger than our depression. He's bigger than our fears. He's bigger than our worries. And he's bigger than our anxiety. You need to go to that place. That's why I love Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases his strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exalted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Why? Because they are connected to the source of life. 
Now, you might be saying, Josh, that, that, that's good and all, but where does that place exist today? Because I can't go to Mount Sinai. <laughs> I guess you could, but you don't need to. One of the places that you can go is right here. Just uh, get along with God, and you're going to sit down, and you're just going to read God's Word. And yeah, you might not understand every word that you read, but you keep reading. Because here's what we know about God's word. God actually created out of nothing, and he did so by his word. And it's by his word he gives shape and formation to our life. That is why Jesus is the logos of God. When we allow Jesus to breathe life into us, he goes to work shaping and forming us because he is the very word of God. So so that's one place that you can go for divine perspective. Uh, Another place that you can go is corporate worship. We're going to give you divine perspective here, not because we're divine, but because Pastor Hannibal and uh, the other pastors and the worship leaders, we, we've connected with God and we're like, God, give us a word, uh, give us songs so that we can breathe life, so that we can be used to breathe life into the congregation. So this is a place where you can come for divine perspective. That, that's why you don't need to be lazy on Sunday morning, all right? Now, I, now again, I understand this is the 26th and, you, you know, some of you are at home on PG, that's great and you're resting, praise Jesus, but I, I'm talking about throughout the year. This is why you don't need to be resting on Sunday morning and, you know, kind of you know, sipping your coffee and going to, the, going to the golf course. No, you need to get up because you, at some point you're going to be in need of divine perspective and God's going to work through his ministers and his servants to give you divine perspective. Maybe it's just prayer and silence and solitude. As we just sit breathing in and breathing out. Now, this is so interesting about just even breathing. That many Jews believe, even the name Yahweh, when you breathe in, they say that that exhale is like saying the name Yahweh. Yahweh. See, some of you just need to breathe in. And you need to exhale. And as you exhale, you're saying, God, you're here with me. The third thing that God does with Elijah, and the third thing that he wants to do with us, is that God invites us to be real and vulnerable. God invites us to be real and vulnerable. So so when we unplug but yet maintain our connection to God, he's going to invite us to be real and vulnerable. And we see this in verse 9 and 10 in the Word. Of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he gets to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And God says, what are you doing here? And then I, if I was Elijah, I would be saying, well, the angel you sent told me to come here. I mean, that's what I would have said, but that's not what he says. He just says, I, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me Two, Elijah is honest and vulnerable with the Lord. And he reveals that he is bought into the lies. My life is over. My ministry is done. Whenever I go back, Queen Jezebel, she's going to kill me. And I'm a failure just like my father's. I mean, he's being real. He he is being vulnerable. He is sharing where he is at. And it's not healthy. 
He's sharing his doubts about who God is. He's sharing his doubts and struggles about ministry and his calling. He truly is being vulnerable. Now, if Elijah was an American and God asked him what's wrong, you know what an American would say? I'm fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah, right? We, we, we don't like being vulnerable. We, we don't like exposing our weaknesses yet. Here is Elijah, the greatest or at least one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history. He is being vulnerable. You know, there are times in my life, I'm telling you, I, I get discouraged. And I feel like a failure because I'm plugged into too many things. And I'm trying to communicate with my wife where I'm at. And I, I begin fumbling around on my words. And I'm like, babe, let me just tell you, and uh, here, um, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, and she'll just say, spit it out. <laughs> and I, I love my wife. I, 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 I'm telling you, uh, I, I do not know where I would be without her. And then when she tells me just to spit it out, I, I'll then go and share. I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm juggling too many things. I feel like the weight of ministry on my shoulders. I can't hold it up. I'm not making a difference. I'm not an effective father. I'm not an effective leader. I'm just too busy to be effective. And I'm telling and so that's where I'm I'm at. But but it, it takes a, I'm telling you, it takes a lot out of me just to be vulnerable and authentic. And real in that way. Because I don't want to reveal even to my wife that something's wrong with me. And here's the thing. I want you to know. I, I'm giving you permission. Because the Bible has given us permission. Elijah has given us permission. Today, December 26th, it's okay not to be okay. Maybe you feel as though that you are an ineffective mom. Maybe you feel like you are an inadequate man. Maybe you feel like a failure. Maybe you feel like no one cares about you. Maybe you feel like God's not there, that he's not present, that God's not for you. Maybe you think that God doesn't care about you. Maybe you feel like you don't do anything right. Whatever it is, be willing to be vulnerable and real and authentic and just share it. Get it out. Do not let that toxicity stay in. I do find it interesting that after Elijah was honest and vulnerable, that's when the Lord came and spoke to him again. Maybe the reason why you're not hearing from God is because you're bottling up the lies and not just sharing and being vulnerable of what you've come to believe. That really isn't true. The fourth thing that we see of how God's going to minister to Elijah and how he's going to minister to us is that God speaks life and light into our lives. Now, I love this. This is so good. Do, do not miss this. So God comes to him in, in verse 11. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. I just love how it connects to what Moses, you know, was doing in Exodus 33, I want you to go and stand, and I'm going to pass by. Hey, Elijah, I'm coming to meet with you, baby. Just go out here, stand out there, and I'm going to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then after the wind, there was this, this earthquake, but the, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, 
but the Lord was not in the fire. Here's what's so fascinating. What we see that the Lord, he's not in the wind, he's not in the earthquake, he's not in the fire. But what's so fascinating is that if you read scripture, God has appeared in all of those things. God has spoken from a burning bush in Exodus 19. While Israel was at the base of Mount Sinai, God's presence shook the mountain. So, so we see that he was in an earthquake. We see mighty winds being used to part the Red Sea so that the, that the Israelites could go on dry ground. God was present there in the winds. God, he led Israel by a pillar of fire by night. God even sent fire on Mount Carmel. So if you read, if you read the Old Testament, God has appeared in the wind and the earthquake and fire. But here, he's not there. Why? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked. You are so perspective today. The 26th, I mean, after Christmas and everything, that is a great question. Where is he? Where is he? he he's in a cave. He's, he's been running away. Don't miss this. Then a voice, a gentle whisper. Elijah heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. What brought him out? What what brought him out? A gentle whisper. You see, it reminds me of the garden where Adam and Eve, they had hid, and they had ran away from God because of their sin and shame. And see, I could imagine God walking in the cool of the day, and he simply asked, where are you? And see, it was that gentle whisper like that of a father, gentle, gracious, loving, not condemning, not accusatory, but a gentle whisper, hey, Adam, hey, Elijah, Elijah. And now Elijah comes out. You see, there are moments we want to experience the thunderous power and presence of God. We want to experience his his earth-shaking presence. But you see, when our hearts are troubled and when we are afraid and our faith is being shaken, we need the gentle voice of our Father and his soft touch to draw us out of hiding. And it's there at the entrance of the cave, after God... Speaks this gentle whisper. Elijah comes out, verse 15 and 16. Here's what we read. The Lord said to Elijah, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Do you know what God is telling Elijah? to do go back to doing what I've called you to do be a prophet there's this scene in the movie 42 a movie depicting Jackie Robinson who broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball and they're playing the Philadelphia Phillies and I mean the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies they had he had been riding Jackie so hard that game calling him names poking fun at him. Jackie wasn't having a really good game. He was popping up, every at bat, 
wasn't getting on base. One at bat, he had popped up and just a little routine pop-up, got out. The manager says something, just sets Jackie off. And so Jackie goes into the tunnel, and there he's just angry. He's frustrated. He wants to give up. He slams his bat. He's screaming. And then the owner, Branch Rickey, meets him in that tunnel. And Branch Rickey is like, Jackie, we need you. Like, you're medicine, Jack. Like, you are what we need. And if you go out there and you try to bash the manager's head in with with that broken bat, listen, all they're going to tell you is that you are over your head. We, We need you. We need you to get out there. We need you to bat. We need you to get on base. We need you to field. We need you to win this game for us, Jackie. But there's this moment after Branch Rickey is trying to send Jackie back out. He embraces him. He embraces him. And you hear this sniffling in the background. And see, some of us here today, some of us engaging online, we need the gentle whisper of God. We need the warm embrace of our Father to get us back into the game, to recharge our batteries. And when he gently whispers in our ear, when he softly and warmly embraces us, he's going to speak life and light into you. He's going to tell you that he's not mad at you. He's not disappointed pointed in you, that he cares for you, that he loves you, that he is with you. He's not done with you. He has plans for you. He is in control. He is sovereign. He is not done. There's still work to be done in your life. And that's what the gentle whisper is going to tell you. Get back to doing what I've called you to do. And then the last thing is this, is that God is God is going to remind us we are not alone. God's going to remind us that we are not alone. Verse 18, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You see, Elijah thought he was all alone. He thought there was no remnant left. But here God is saying, hey, 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 Elijah, come on now. There's 7,000 people that have not bowed down to Baal. You're not alone, so I want you to go back to work. I want you to go back to doing what prophets do. And I want you to know that you are not alone. Now, here's the cool thing about God. You, You ready for the cool thing about God? Yeah, here it is. You see, this is what happened to Elijah. But, but if you fast forward hundreds of years later, you will see that God sent a son. We, we've just celebrated the, the first coming of the son. That's why I love Isaiah 9. Uh, to us, a, 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 a child is born. To us, a son is given. He is the God-man. You see, so hundreds of years later from Elijah, God is going to send us Jesus. You see, Elijah was in need of food and rest. 
Oh, see, when Jesus came, he said, I am the bread of life. Anybody who eats me, anybody who consumes me, he'll never be hungry again. He also said that all who are weary and all who are heavy laden, hey, won't you come to me and I'll give you rest. And then we know that Elijah needed perspective, so he had to go to the mountain of God. He had to go to Mount Carmel. Oh, but if you look at Jesus, we don't need to go to Mount Carmel. We don't need to go to Mount Sinai. We need to go to what? Mount Calvary, because it's there on Mount Calvary. We get the divine perspective of God, that he loves us, that he's for us, and that he's come to forgive us, that he's not disappointed in us. Why? Because he's pleased in the Son, and because we are connected to the Son, God is pleased with us. All right, so then you, you, you keep reading. Elijah needed to process the problem, and Jesus tells us that you can cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. So there's no problem that Jesus cannot receive that you are dealing with. You see, Elijah needed to be reminded of his purpose. Well, today, let me tell you, let me remind you of your purpose in Jesus. It is to make disciples of all nations. Well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that you're going to teach people what it means to be human after the likeness and image of Jesus. So we're going to make disciples. We're going to be salt. We're going to be light. We're going to be witnesses of King Jesus. That is your purpose in in trials, in the mountaintop, on the mountaintops, in the valleys, we are going to teach people what it means to live in the likeness and image of Jesus. Elijah needed to know that he wasn't the only one. All oh, today, when Jesus tells the disciples that I'm, I'm going to send you out to make disciples of all nations, and I want you to teach them and baptize them, here's what he also ends with, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. And not only is Jesus with us always, but he is giving us his bride, his church. That is why we are the body of Christ. That is why we are the bride of Christ. And we are not alone. So the way of rest is to unplug from the activities of life while maintaining your connection to the source of life. So in 2022, don't overload your life, but maintain your connection to the source of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Elijah and this story of how we see Elijah. He needed to unplug and he needed to concentrate on his connection with you. So I pray for those this morning that need that connection, that need to focus on that connection. And so, Father, I pray that you would minister to them this morning, this week. We thank you how Jesus, he gives us the ultimate rest. He gives us the ultimate food. He gives us the ultimate perspective. He gives us the ultimate in our life that we need. So may we rest in him. May we rest in him. And it's in your name.